0: It's uh, Saturday June the 26th and I am, after I record this intro, uh, going to Wembley for Italy against Austria. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you, Kieran, for getting us tickets. I think I'm supporting Italy. I'm going to wear an Italy shirt um, and this will be the first live football game that I've been to since, I guess, February or March 2020. I'm um, really looking forward to it. Uh, Chloe pets, stand up and uh, goalkeeper and Crystal Palace fan and all those things, thank you so much for coming on. Fantastic to catch up with you and hear a little bit about what it's been like to do comedy over the last 18 months. Um, I'm very, very much looking forward to coming to see you in the show at some point um, and having you back on to talk about Palace and uh, England after the Euros and all that sort of stuff. Uh, After a few technical difficulties, we're off to a we're off to a flyer with joy multiplication. Why is that your Zoom name?
1: Oh yes, uh, I've changed my name by default to Joy Multiplication. Um, no, it's a comedy night that I run with some friends, and we got a Pro Zoom account. And I always forget to log out of it. What no. an interesting story to begin <laughs> to begin your podcast.
0: No, that's a that's a nice story. Um, you said I
1: that always start you... with my best anecdote. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the last time that I saw you do comedy live and it's, I mean, it's years ago, like years ago. Yeah. Um,
1: One of my most loyal fans, you are.
0: (laughs) I have a very, (laughs) very clear memory of me, my mum, my dad, and I think my sister upstairs at the old Red Lion. And and then really, really laughing and me really laughing. And I was like, this is great. This is great
1: that's so nice thank you and do you know what come see me again because i think i've probably improved since a few <laughs> years ago so you'll be really really laughing i'm hopefully. sure i will
0: be um, yeah. before we started uh you said that you went back to doing gigs and gigs and gigs to gigs to gigs but you've just decided to have you had a little rest and that's and that's been fantastic what has i guess what was what was the first gig back after covid like
1: oh it was crazy um it was at the Pleasants Theatre in Islington and it was one of those gigs where like uh sometimes when you do it you're like this doesn't count like I walked on stage and everyone was like whooping and hollering and I just went hello and everyone was like dying laughing and you go oh you know I don't have to do anything to to at this gig um because the audience were just like so up for it and everyone was euphoric and it was just like this incredible like adrenaline rush Um, because yeah, everyone was just, we've been cheering and it was so amazing to see all the other comics and like be in a green room together and oh God, it was great. Um, Yeah, and like, yeah, it it just came back by muscle memory really. And then the next night I actually did, the second gig I did was at the Pleasance Theatre again, but doing a different night and that was a lot more subdued because it was like a Tuesday night and and you know it wasn't a very raucous audience, but it was quite nice to like flex both the muscles of like remembering how to do how to like work, work a sort of easy gig, I guess, and then go into a more difficult one and just like see how how you have to like adapt and like be really sharp to to try and get the most out of out of the different gigs.
0: Mm. Which do you prefer?
1: Obviously, people like whooping and hollering and like not, yeah, not having to work work that hard for it at all. Like, it's so nice to know that you get when you get to an end of a punchline, people are gonna laugh. Um, Whereas sometimes, like, you'll get to an end of a punchline, you'll be like, "There's there's a pause here. Like, people gonna laugh, or or will this pause just go on?" Um,
0: Can you can you remember the first time you ever did stand up?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like. We, it was at the Rose and Crown in Kentish Town. Have you ever oh, been yeah, there? Yeah, I know that pub. It's a really nice pub. And there's a gig that runs downstairs. I'm not sure if it's still running over the pandemic called the Freedom Fridge. And I lived like 30 seconds from that pub my last year of uni. And I went there like a couple of weeks before to watch this open mic night and said to the guy, look, I want to do comedy. And he was like, I'm putting you on in two weeks. Gave me this slot. And then all of my friends just packed out this tiny little basement um so like again that what that was cheating because they were just like whatever I said they weren't for it and um I had the most euphoric experience like I sunk like six or seven pints because I was so nervous um and that was amazing and I think it was good I had that because it made me go back and do it again because the next like nine ten twenty gigs were really hard because I wasn't very good and they were also to a room full of other open mic comics who were just like focused on their own set and focused on being nervous. So it was really hard, but I'm glad I had that first like euphoria that I could call back on and be like, it can be this good.
0: Yeah, you need that, that bit of, yeah, that bit of success, I suppose, that little bit of success and you're like, bam, okay, I can do this again. Um, yeah. This might be a silly question. In the same way that you like, if someone's gonna get better at the piano, they just have to play loads of piano in order to get better at comedy how do you how do you do that
1: you gig as much as you can Mm. and record the gigs of watch them or listen to them which is the worst oh it's the worst thing in the whole entire world particularly when like you're new and you're shit and like you're oh god it's just painful because sometimes it's just like you say stuff to complete silence and you're trying to work out why you said stuff to that to that silence so I think yeah it's it's that Um, and watch loads of comics as well and see what what they're doing like why it's working so well for them Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the main thing is just the first like two or three years it doesn't really matter what you're saying on stage it's just about getting comfortable on stage so that you're not panicked when you're up there because when you're panicked that's when you say the dumb stuff that's just not funny because people can see that you're panicked
0: yeah that that makes sense um when do you think you did your first like your first gig that went well where you didn't feel like you were cheating so it wasn't your friends who packed it out and it wasn't just after a pandemic where everyone's so ready to be made laughing that that it doesn't count
1: well it's difficult to say It's difficult to say. I think I'm quite down on um. Down on my old comedy self because I watched with some friends. We watched a video of a gig that we did. Maybe six years ago when we all first started, and it was like. It like hurt to watch, and at one point, like I put my hands over my ears and closed my eyes and was like, "Please make it stop!" Like it was just so horrid. So, it's difficult to like compare what I have have, but. Like, Please don't, I, I by no means think I'm like the complete comedian or like, you know, I'm undiable, or whatever. Like I've still got a long way to go, but compared to that, fuck me, I'm so much better. So I don't know, it's, it's difficult to say. Like there must have been early open mics where like I felt like I was the best one on there, which is, again, I hope that doesn't come across as a brag because oh my God, no, the, next, the next week I could be the worst one on there and someone else is the best one on there. It, but but I, I compare it like every time I think about doing a gig, I think about Fabian Bartes. That, that's unfair. Not every time. Maybe, maybe like one in five. I think about Fabian Barthez. because when I was when I was a kid, my dad would w- would talk about my goalkeeping of being like, "You're gonna make mistakes, but look at Fabian Bartes. Like he'll make mistakes, but it's about making as few mistakes as possible, so that you're just like, if even if you don't have an outstanding game, you're just solid." And I think that's what like I've always thought through my co- comedy career is like, I, I don't. I don't have to be the best every time because I can't be, because I'm a human, but like Fabian Barthez, I can have a solid game. Nine times out of 10, I can have a solid game. Um, So yeah, I think that's what I've been
0: working towards. I mean, what role model.
1: What a role model. Yeah, and also I'm going to shave my head. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I, uh, just uh, did a podcast with uh, a Greek football journalist who wrote about... uh, Wrote about. Well, he's written a book about Greece winning the Euros in 2004, and to get ready for that, I went back and watched like loads of old clips. And there's clips of Fabien Barthez in the Greece v France game, where like in the same save, it's like a good save and also a terrible, terrible bit of goalkeeping. And I'm like, so confused about it because that. there's one where he like has to sort of he dives and it's like a good dive and he moves really quickly, but he also like tips it basically into the goal but they don't concede it. So it's good because he saves it, but it's also terrible, terrible execution and decision-making. So yeah, I mean, a a great role model.
1: (laughs) I mean, isn't that what we like about great artists is that they're unpredictable, you know? They they get the job done, but the journey they go on to get there is the thing that's the exciting bit. Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. Um, How much time did you spend in lockdown writing jokes?
1: Not much, not much at all and like i think it's important to say that because i think like we all felt really stagnant and like our careers were put on hold and i think it yeah it would be like a complete like trying to instagramify my life if i said like yeah i was writing jokes every day like i just didn't i stopped thinking like a comedian like i realized that a funny thing happened to me and my first instinct wasn't to go oh how can i put that into a set it was just like oh yeah that just happened and I think, yeah, coming back in, you you have to start thinking, like, how can that, how can that turn into a bit? How can that be a joke? Um, But yeah, I didn't, but I wrote other stuff. Like I wrote like a pilot for a sitcom. I did this film writing course early this year, which was so great and so fun and like invigorating. So yeah, I've just been trying to sort of like keep, just like all the stuff that I threatened to do pre-pandemic, but said I didn't have time i was like well i've got time now so i'm gonna write a pilot i'm gonna start writing a film
0: you threatened to do it
1: yeah always a threat <laughs> you wait until i watch that write that film mate <laughs> like that
0: yeah that's funny. <laughs> um yeah i i just when i think about like not only my mood during some i think particularly the actually no the the, the november lockdown because you could exercise with someone outside your household that was all right for me because I could do sessions with people and I could go out and that I didn't really have time to do anything other than just like cycle around London coaching football but the first one and the third one I didn't yeah didn't feel creative or inspire it or or inspired and also just like it wasn't like can you remember those early like when you like would meet up with someone and not stand near them outside for fear of like it was just uh yeah I don't I, yeah not not the most not an environment conducive to to being funny for me
1: <laughs> yeah no I didn't feel funny whatsoever but did you like what did you do when you can work like because because I suppose like, I've never thought of like personal training or or or, or that kind of thing as like a creative outlet but I suppose it really is like you're having to like create a session plan and you're, you're essentially like you know it's c- connecting with a person like
0: yeah I think that's the that's the biggest thing that's that's what I used to take for granted so much or just not maybe not take for granted but just put I put next to no time in thinking about how to build a relationship with the person or with the people that you're coaching that to me was yeah. always like it either came naturally and therefore I didn't have to think about it or I was just too busy thinking about structure of the session how long we were going to spend on doing this but then you get to the point where you realize like it's way more important like whether you click with someone before they care about what you're going to say they want to know that they care that you care about them um yeah yeah, yeah. so i did a lot of i did a lot of yeah i did a lot of like thinking about the best way to go about building relationships with people i suppose and getting getting to grips with the idea that like what what do they not only what not only asking yourself like okay what does this person want what are their objectives but also like what common ground do we have like what yeah. what what can i what can we use as like a spark to build a relationship essentially
1: but i suppose you probably got better at like delivering sessions as well so you didn't even have to think about it's when they're like oh we're going to do this amount of squats become second nature to you you're not worried about the structure of it that's when you can do your like creative flourishes like What's your favourite film? Yeah,
0: like that. definitely, definitely. <laughs> one of
1: your one of your classic Bonding questions. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I'm always asking people that. I think, also, <laughs> yeah, you, 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 yeah, you, you. There's like a there's a flow to both sessions, and the flow might be different, but there's going to be times in it where like they might be knackered, and therefore you have to rest for five minutes, and in that five minutes, that's when you chat. But then there's yeah. other times where. It's like a way more like up down up down. You don't have time to do that sort of stuff, and maybe you only you only have a session for fifty minutes. But then at the end of the session, that's when you have your ten minutes to catch up or do or do whatever. What's your what's your like? If you were to if you had okay, maybe if you had total control over your set, what's like the what's your perfect like what's your, like ideal flow rhythm for for maybe if you had fifteen minutes. Like what, what do you want that to feel like, look like?
1: I think I want to come out strong. I want to get a laugh, boom, big one, immediately. Because then they go, we trust you. So you. You just, you just have to get their trust early. I think I lost, I lost faith between the lockdowns when I came back to comedy. I lost faith in like my opening joke. So I try and come out and do crowd work, and sometimes they just wouldn't go for it because they'd be like, we don't know who you are. Like tell us something about you before you ask something about us. So now I'll just come out make sure I do like a solid joke doesn't even have to be the best but like they just go cool that's a good joke we're in safe hands and then I think I like well I don't know if I like this so much because you do have to like have a lot of confidence in what you're doing like I've had more like the, the last like two main bits I've written have been quite like quiet 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 giggles 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 so it's like you'll get like a little bit of of, of like a, a laugh to your right and then a little that- bit like some yeah something will get someone else and it's not getting everyone but it's kind of it's, it's bubbling along and then at the end you've got this big big payoff punchline where everyone's sort of going hop, 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 you know having a big old big old laugh um so I, I seem to like to do that and then so maybe maybe that could be my first sort of couple of routines is like the so so build and then i like to go gag 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 finish strong
0: nice the end yeah yeah a great rhythm start strong do, do, be strong, bum, bum, be bum. strong
1: throughout yeah. <laughs> just just a constant level of strength and the thing with 15 minutes is I guess it would be a bit different if you asked me an hour because an hour like the audience can't laugh that intensely for so, that long so. you have to give them moments of reprieve where they can just like sit and listen whereas in 15 minutes they can concentrate so you can just hit them with your boom boom boom
0: What's the shortest gig that someone might get asked to do and what's the longest gig realistically that that you'll get asked to do uh
1: it it really depends um people everyone starts with a five right if you're recording something for tv or radio you might at some point get asked to do a three which is very stupid and very hard the most i would get asked to do at the moment is probably an hour but russell howard could do could be asked to do 90 minutes you know or two hours yeah. It, it really depends on, on where you're at but i would never get asked to do more than 1 hour no. yeah
0: an hour's a long time yeah really long really long time 3 minutes what do you yeah. do in 3 minutes just like play your favorite song and dance
1: <laughs> yeah just just be like hi my name's Chloe. okay that's the end bye <laughs> <laughs> the end
0: <laughs> yeah that's tough that's yeah. tough when you said that you were doing gig 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 how 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 do you prepare to go from and maybe not just like in terms of making sure your sets tight how do you go to how do you go into that week or those few days, knowing that you're going to be doing a show every night after having used, not done it for so long,
1: I got quite anxious, and it's like it's exhausting because you're just riding on adrenaline, so I would say like around four p m the day of a gig i've I can't really do much because I'm not feeling nervous, but there's some like tension that I'm holding in my body, and it's like it feels like anxiety really. So I never make a decision two hours before a gig because I'm like, this isn't me making the decision. This is like this like subterranean anxiety that I'm feeling about this gig tonight. So I'll just, I know that about myself now. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and do anything the afternoon of a gig. So I might just like go for a walk, listen to some music, listen to a podcast, that kind of thing. And then if, you, if you're like doubling up, so doing two gigs in a night, I actually find that really fun because like you get nervous for the first gig then you ride the wave of adrenaline for the first gig and then you sort of run to the next gig and you just keep this like bubbling energy and it's just making sure like I'll take time to reset because sometimes I've walked onto the next the second stage with the same tone that I've left the first stage and it's like oh no this is a completely different audience that's expecting like a completely different thing from me and just like really gone in at the wrong energy level or like the wrong tone or like assume they know me already. So it's just making sure you like go like new gig. Even if even if like I'm doing exactly the same set as before, I'll probably write it out again. Just so I'm like, yep, that's what I'm doing. And then yeah, just ma- making sure I don't making sure like I find times to just do shit for myself in that week. And by the end of the week, like I probably won't be nervous for the gigs because it's just like, oh this again.
0: Mm. What's the most what's the most gigs you've ever done in well, what's most good you've ever done in a day and what's most good you've ever done in a week?
1: I think probably like 10 or 11 in a week. And I think I've done like four in a day. Maybe at Edinburgh, I've done like five or six.
0: Mm. Yeah. Have you missed Edinburgh?
1: Ugh, no. You can say no. Yeah, I missed it as a city. Yeah. i missed being in Brooksbar with my mates. No, I think I have. I just put so much, like I do this with football. Like you've seen me do it with football where I just put so much pressure on myself of this thing that I'm meant to be enjoying that I then don't enjoy it as much, but I do love Edinburgh mm. and I'll, I'll be excited to go next year when last year was going to be my debut, but obviously it got canceled. But now I've done like two more years of, or a year and a half more of stand up comedy. I feel like next year I'll just like feel quite chill about it. Cause I know that I can do an hour and, and also like, because I've missed this two years of Edinburgh, where I would have been doing my hour to get work. I kind of feel like a bit less, like I need Edinburgh to go really well because I know that I can get work without it. So yeah, again, it's, it's that thing. I can't remember if we were saying this on the podcast earlier or when we were talking before. It's like, now I've had a year where stand-up's been taken away from me and I've missed it. I've gone, oh, I'm coming back to this as a choice. So it's like when I go for a run now, I'll be like, you can stop if you want, but you're just choosing to carry on. So I think it would be good to go to Edinburgh next year and have that attitude where I'm just like, you could just leave at any point. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, massively. I get that. I do get that. I think it's like with, with stuff that you, with anything, like there's little things that you just take for granted. When they go, you're like, fuck, I really liked that. And yeah. I'm really, really am excited to do that again. Did, did, uh, <laughs> I feel like look, Zoom has just become a, way, way bigger thing. Skype, have you have you you have to do some jokes about Skype. They are the biggest fucking they've fucked Adaptable, up. Didn't they?
1: Yeah, at the beginning of the beginning of the pandemic I was like, should we should we Skype to yeah. a friend. And they were like, Chloe, absolutely fucking not. What like I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> That's
0: what I'm saying. It's like being like six 0 up in the first ten minutes and then you lose. You, like you they, had, just
1: uh, didn't, they didn't even do like a campaign. I just like heard <laughs> about it one time and I was like that's what we're doing and I was like cool that's what I'm doing cool so weird I think it's because like well I think I know what it is you can just send a link and click on it and you're there whereas Skype like they're like please give us a password like please put in the name oh you've accidentally put like a dot in you can't (laughs) find this person they don't exist
0: wouldn't they just get someone who knows how to do links and then just put it in? I don't know. That was, that was, that was funny. I'll say, is, is, did you, did you do um, like sets on video? Was that a thing that standups were like doing zoom sets?
1: Yeah. 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 I did quite a lot of them.
0: Yeah. I yeah. know.
1: Fine. Fine. Like it was good. Cause sometimes you couldn't hear the audience and you could just go, you could just choose in your head whether you're going to have a good gig or a bad gig. So you just completely set the tone. So you just go, yeah, I'm, I'm having a great gig. I'm, Probably the best comedian in the whole world, entire <laughs> world, actually. <laughs> and then you just close your laptop, you're in your front room, whack on a film, do whatever you like. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> That's nice.
0: Yeah. That's nice. Um, with, I, I don't really know how, does comedy just fall into, in terms of like funding and like the way that you go about generating work, is that all, does it go into like arts and culture? Would it, would, you know, are, are some of these comedy nights eligible for money from i don't know in the same way that like a theater putting on a show or someone who's i don't know is that all this is is, it, is that like the same pot of money that you're like competing for
1: no so so it's pretty much like all self-funded it's it's all like businesses just kind of doing their thing um there was a whole thing this year about uh the live comedy association got created which is basically to sort of like advocate for promoters venues um you know, people working within comedy that weren't necessarily comedians because we've obviously got, like, equity as our union. Yeah, they were basically trying to get stand-up comedy acknowledged as an art form so that when, if uh, something did go into dire straits or they needed a bit of support from the government, they could draw on the, the, the cultural recovery funds. And they've been incredibly successful in doing that and, and basically getting money to the people... That need it to keep comedy venues open and going and nights running and stuff. So yeah, that that that's a very perceptive question. Hmm. Um and uh yeah, something that's been worked on over the past few.
0: Where's your favourite venue to do?
1: Hmm. I really like 21 Soho. Uh uh, that's really fun. Where do I always enjoy doing? Cameron Comedy Club, I like doing. Um yeah, I think twenty one Soho at the moment would be my favourite. Because you, you sort of you get like a good you get like a good level of like it's like com like comedy savvy people that are also okay with like commercial straight stand up hmm. but also okay with like alternative stuff. So that yeah, you, you just want like a, a comedy audience that gets comedy and gets their part in the transaction, which is to like laugh loudly and support
0: yeah okay so you need yeah the audience that yeah the, the you want people who go to comedy regularly who understand the the, the the process the back and forth and their part in it that makes sense because I've always I've always thought that like I don't go to comedy enough to really know how I'm like I'll just laugh at the bits that I find funny and sometimes I laugh really quietly or I just find myself shaking and that's like that's not really doing much for whoever's on stage
1: it's completely fine though that's good I think I think the people that I'm more critical of are the ones that think they know what comedy's like and they come to a gig and they start shouting at you and you go like I'll deal with this like it's within my job description to deal with a heckler but you need to stop once I've dealt with you whereas some people will just think that they'll they'll either get that adulation and think that they're still helping you and keep shouting out or if they're usually a bloke of a certain persuasion they'll get offended that you've outwitted them and try and get you back but what they don't understand is that like this is your job and like you're you're probably nine times out of ten going to be better at it than them and the audience just turn and then you just get like this gross atmosphere yeah
0: yeah Yeah, you don't want that I remember that joke that that you (laughs) the one where you come in at the start and you're like I've scanned the room and I'm definitely the alpha male here like (laughs) that one always used to really really make me laugh and that yeah, I
1: haven't was, done that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll open with that tonight. Thank you.
0: I I always found that really really funny, but I also that always made me think <laughs> it was like someone sitting in the audience. But like, no, you're not. Have you yeah, say that? Yeah. You, don't, you yeah. don't know me.
1: I got I got a um an Instagram DM off some guy that like oh man, it made me like feel sick. So I chosen him as. The beta male in the room for some crowd work like beta to my alpha and then some other guy said something more interesting so i went to him and was like you're the beta and just ignored this guy and then this the first guy instagram dm me like just out of interest why did you decide that i wasn't the beta like obviously trying to get me to go like you were just so alpha like your beard and your like big muscles made me made me intimidated i was just like "Fuck you i'm not replying souls <laughs>
0: what what the fuck what is wrong with people like why that's yeah yeah i don't oh, god people are obviously you miss stand up you miss the crowd but then in some ways like it is nice that you have not to interact with loo- like just losers like you're just a loser if you're doing that
1: such a loser to be honest like now i just kind of like, i just walk off and yeah i guess it's difficult because like i don't know it's like I guess I don't really need to worry about this last um, this at the moment. But a couple of nights ago, I was at a gig and the security guard was chatting to me, and he started like telling a rumor about Russell Howard being like, "Oh yeah, he turned up to this gig that my mate was working security for, and he was a prick." And I was like, "Like, I literally like, I've I've like met him several times, and he's the nicest man. Like, <laughs> it's just people people like want want." people in the public light to like they want to talk them down
0: Mm. it's
1: it's it's really sad yeah yeah
0: yeah that is that is weird do you sorry to go back to the heckler things that i find interesting do you do you just have to make like an instant calculation like do i do i engage with this or not just yes or no um
1: hmm. i think if someone shouts something out and it's really like
0: if it's audible then you just can't ignore it
1: if, if it's audible like if something weird happens in a room you lose the trust of the audience if you don't acknowledge it because everyone else has acknowledged it and if you don't you look kind of unprofessional and like you're not sort of on top of of what's going on uh so I'll always acknowledge it but you'll sort of choose how far you go into it so I think if if someone's like good-natured and I think they'll probably stop then I might let them have a bit of back and forth but I've got like I'll just I, I, if if I want to shut them up I'll just sort of go on a rant about like how comedy works and then be like so that's why you shut the fuck up <laughs> basically
0: yeah 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 that makes sense um do you swear a lot in your stand up still
1: did I swear a lot before
0: i don't know i feel like you did but maybe you didn't
1: i don't think i, I don't think i swear that much yeah. in fact i did um that jonathan ross thing and uh my parents text me after like you did very well and you you weren't sweary like all the other ones so i, I think like i'll use like gentle swearing but i'm not like a big i i, I don't think i swear that much at all no
0: really. maybe you don't maybe you don't I just, I just i just think it really has its place and it can uh, add a lot of of depth to an anecdote yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's been other people, like even people I've had on here, and they'll be like, oh, sorry for swearing. I'm like, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> Keep it. It's Do it more. Fuck. Yeah, more, of <laughs> um, more of that. No,
1: I, I don't think I'm swearing at all. No, I, I don't think I am. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But I will, I will use the sort of purpose built one. And that's also good. Like, if you never use the C word, if someone heckles you, you've always got it to deploy, and it's like proper impactful.
0: It's like that super sub.
1: Yeah, 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 oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, The C word is Jaden Sancho. He never plays, but when he's on,
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna use him, and he's gonna be effective. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, what do you want to talk about, Euros or Palace first?
1: I'm, I'm worried about both in equal measure. So, um, okay. you choose, mate.
0: Let's do, let's do Palace because I've just had a conversation about the Euros with someone else. Um, yeah. you've got a new manager.
1: We haven't. It's fallen apart.
0: You're joking, really?
1: I promise you, it's falling uh, apart. Oh, my God, what happened? I don't know. We don't know. He's just, like, at the final minute, just gone. Sorry. I oh, can't. I'm not... He said, I'm not ready to go back to... um." He wants a longer break from football, is what he said.
0: Oh, fuck. Okay. I was ready to have a conversation. Couple... <laughs> I was ready to talk about a new era at Selhurst Park.
1: I think it would have been sick. I'm really disappointed. Like, I'm really disappointed that, like, Nuno and... um father didn't work out but i, I it, it's really difficult to understand what's attractive about that job to that caliber of manager mm. because it does feel like a sinking ship because the american owners just they want to sell they don't want to put any money into it but i suppose like it's a terrible time to sell at the moment because of you know everything in football being devalued because of the pandemic um so i think we'll probably get a manager who Palace would be a step up for rather than a gentle step down. So I think we'll probably end up with Steve Cooper. But i like to end up with Sean Dyche.
0: Sean Dyche, I can see. I can imagine that. Is the Lampard rumour still about or not?
1: It's been knocking about. I I, I kind of feel like it... hmm, Do I feel like it would have been done now if it was going to be done? I don't think it's the right move for us. Mm. What what do you think? I don't know. I think
0: it's a funny one with lampard because it seems like he was obviously he did okay with derby i think like the i think retrospectively i don't think we can say he did a great job with derby look mason mounts clearly sick tomori is clearly sick so he spotted that and gave those players opportunities to play that's like a big part of what being a manager is right it's like talent evaluation whatever opportunities chelsea like i have no nothing other than my own like experience of watching him manage Chelsea and watch that Chelsea team and then a real manager in Tuchel come in and they win the Champions League like he's clearly not on the level where you can say and, and but also like why I, you don't expect someone to be when it's their second job and he's so so soon out of playing and he just hasn't had the experience of managing the more experience, the better you're probably going to be to an extent particularly with players who are ready to to win on, on that level I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, him at Palace. I just don't know whether, you know, the question, I'd say the question for you is like, what, what do Palace need? Because do they need someone who is coming in for three years, five years, who's going to, the, in the interview, be like, look, here's my pitch. This is how I see the club in 2025. Yeah, they
1: need I think that's what we, I, no, no, no. We, we, need, we need a long-term vision because there's so much work to do there that you can't be coming in using that place as a stepping stone to getting your bigger move because because if you come in with that mindset we're going to get relegated because we need someone who can bring through the youth from our incredible academy but also make decent signings because of our aging squad offload the dead weight essentially who's like too old to play now and give us some form of identity because we lost it under Hodgson in the end like it's some of the worst football I've ever watched at Palace because it wasn't even functional. It wasn't even like a functional, like let's absorb the pressure and then go on the break. It was just dire. And like, if we went one or two down, we just roll over um, and have no ideas, no creative spark. It would be slow. It's a bit like, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me of watching England at the moment. It's, it's slow. It's passing across the back line. It's did you see that um stat with the England with the England that we have made the most that like the least progress up the field per second or something of anyone?
0: Second. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Per I can believe of, that.
1: Like per meter or something, I don't know. But it's just like we've got exciting talent. Why aren't we using it? Yeah. For both, for both Palace and and England.
0: Yeah. Got the Yeah, so I'm just looking at the table. So Palace finished 14th. Uh Played 38, won 12, drew 8, lost 18.
1: And those 18, there were some bad defeats in there. Yeah. where we just looked directionless. And I don't know whether, I don't know whether it was because there was no crowding. Because, you know, like, if you go 2-3-0 down to Liverpool, you kind of go, we're not coming back. So should we just, like, just conserve some energy and just, like, not really care? Whereas if a crowd had been in, we would have been, like, on their backs going... Come on, do something. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and that probably would have given the adrenaline. But yeah,
0: quite a lot was made of that. Where like different, you know, different clubs it would be like, would would the crowd help them or or hurt them? Well, like Palace was always chucked into a into the group of like, if the crowd's there, they're going to be better, just because of the I guess the nature of the stadium and also the you know the fans in the fans in the stadiums, obviously one thing. But it's quite it's just a great it's a great little. Just a great ground, like you're just tight to the pitch and and all those things. You can you feel like I imagine I've never have I watched a game there? No, I've never watched a game there. You you feel like you can affect the game as a as a crowd. I think that
1: the season before last, our away record was better than our home record because when teams come and sit in, we can't break them down. We're not good enough to do that. So when Mm -hmm. we go away, we we dig in and then we go on the break, and that's why we're better. But I think it's probably a case of we wouldn't have been better with the crowd and we would have been less bad. And I think some of those losses wouldn't have been turned into draws or victories, but they wouldn't have been a 7-0 drubbing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, I am still gutted about Eze.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really gutting. I haven't looked up when, it, should he be back sort of Christmas or?
0: Yeah, I suppose so. So it happened. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. It's just one of those, it's just... I don't know. Like I was just chatting to an Arsenal fan. And we we're talking about like the bright spark for them this season is Saka, right? right? And Smith Row to an extent. Um, but like, yeah, you watch you watch Saka play free, you're like, oh my god, he, he's ours. Like this is our hes is our like diamond, you know. Mm. Um, and for Palace, yeah, just like seeing seeing a player who plays outside the big six be able to like dominate the game is just unbelievably exciting
1: yeah yeah he's not i don't i don't think he's there yet but when you when he when he turns it on and has those snatches of brilliance you're like this guy's quality like and and he's got that lovely i'm not the first person to say that but the way he runs is just so like beautiful to watch and just so like easy and um he just yeah just glides and shakes people off and oh he's cool man he's really cool
0: He's so fun to watch, he's so fun to watch. You said by the end of the Hodgson thing, like the identity wasn't, wasn't really there. How, d- it's, such a, it's such a weird one for Hodgson because his career has been, so, he's done so many different types of jobs and yet he like finishes, you know, like a, a Palace fan managing Palace. Like how, how, do you, how do you look back on his time as the manager?
1: Uh, as a Palace manager, I love him and will always have the greatest respect for him, and he, he did so much for the club, like in terms of solidifying us as a Premier League team, brilliant, and there were moments where we played some incredible football and um, we looked exciting, um, but it, it was always, look, we're going to labour our way to 40 points and then we'll play nice football for the rest of the season. But the rest of his career, like Fulham look upon him so fondly, he did so much for them, it was so brilliant, Got into the, the um, Europa League final, right? Incredible, incredible. Like imagine bringing a high like that to the calibre of club like Fulham or like Palace. Oh, incredible! Mm-hmm. I think England, he was shit. Liverpool, he was shit. <laughs> but I think everyone that in football speaks of him as like the most intelligent, kind, nice man. And I think that that goes a long way as well. We do forget that.
0: Yeah, that does matter. That definitely does matter. Um, How much of the Euros are you watching?
1: Um, Not a huge amount.
0: You're gigging in the evenings?
1: I'm gigging in the evenings, but I'm also like, it's really sad. I don't get any enjoyment from it because I want England to win so much. And like, it really stresses me out. So after the Scotland game, I had to sort of bury my head in the sand because it's the earliest in a tournament where I've ever got a feeling like we're not, we're out, we're done. Like, we're shit. So I just kind of, really like i felt like that was the end of the line and quite dejected now obviously on tuesday when we play germany i'm gonna be so like yeah we're gonna win this this is gonna be incredible and i'll be so pumped up for it but yeah i've struggled i've struggled to enjoy it as a spectacle and separate it from myself as an england fan Mm,
0: how much have you been watching i've watched a fair bit i started off thinking okay i've got i've got time for this went through the tournament and i was like circling games that i was going to watch and i have i have watched a lot but i think also it's probably that the timing of the timing of uh like i'm gonna turn 30 not that long into the future and also just like you just realize that like you have other things like do I, do i want to watch ukraine against north macedonia or do i want to like get a coffee with my mum I probably want to get coffee with my mum because I haven't seen her for a while. Do you know what I mean? That it's was, those sorts of decisions.
1: That was a decent game, though. I watched yeah, that. I know. And
0: That's the big. And then you <laughs> yeah. watch it. And then you're like, fuck, I, I should be trying to watch every single game. And I had it as well where, like, it's got two, two o'clock, five o'clock, eight o'clock. Got so into that river. Like, if you miss a game, you're like, well, I'll just watch the next one. And then those games aren't there. And you're like, oh my God, there's this hole in my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, but I have enjoyed it. I've watched those games. I'm actually going to Webley tonight, Italy against Austria. Fuck, that's sick. Yeah. And oh. I, I haven't been to a live... I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, it, would have, it would have been a Spurs game. I don't know when, but I haven't been to a football match for... Oh, yeah, since, what, February, March 2020.
1: I think if I could go to a game, I would get into the spectacle of it and just be like, like this is brilliant. This feels like a... You know, like, something that I'll always remember and, and enjoy, but because I just haven't got to any of the games it's i I don't know why i'm not getting enjoyment from it i wish i wish that i could just like not love my team so passionately and then just enjoy it but but as soon as england get knocked out i probably i probably won't watch
0: what so you need so i guess for you so tuesday you need like a big statement victory from england
1: big old fat five nil michael owen (laughs) (laughs) hat-trick
0: Is that what's your what was your favorite England team? What's been your favorite England team over the last I don't know 20 years?
1: I I, I honestly can't pick one cuz all of them have hurt me. Mm. Like I when I look back I just don't I don't the 2018 one I I was so upset when we got knocked out in the semis. Um but I now look back on it fondly. So maybe maybe even that that team because I felt like that was when media pressure came off. It felt like Southgate was sort of leading a young team that was going to be the future rather than the present. That you know far exceeded our expectations, and it yeah it didn't feel like I mean obviously there was the whole Sterling stuff with the tattoo, but I feel like that was really good that all the all the football podcasts I was listening to, the journo's were all going, hang on a minute this is on us like we need to self regulate and we'd all. This behaviour out because it's it's actually not on, and I think that that was a really good thing for English football and the coverage has been so much more favourable and balanced and nuanced and, um, yeah. So, so. but yeah, but yeah. Ger- Gerard Lampard, skulls Beckham. For, for, I, you can't go much further than that. Yeah,
0: eighteen-year-old Rooney. Like that was that was oh. an unbelievable time.
1: He was like I watched a. I think, like, on Twitter or something, like... Uh, I can't even remember what game it was. Was, was it fr- France, where he just fucking, like... Maybe not France. He just, like, was running past everyone. In
0: 2004?
1: I can't, I can't remember. His, his, his first one, where he was a kid.
0: Yeah. Euro, I think Euro 2004, he's, like, 18.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. And it was just, like, a, a joy to watch, because it's almost like... Um, Holland is probably a good
0: Great, great comparison. Great
1: because it's not like, he's not like small and nippy, he's just powerful and it's so fun to like, I love watching him, um, like when Haaland scored a goal, watching clips of him like 30 seconds beforehand, because he's just like, oh there's an opportunity and he just goes and it's like so powerful the way he runs.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really fun comparison. Uh, I, that 2018 England team I really like I think largely because there were so many Spurs players in there <laughs> and when yeah, you just yeah, support, yeah. like that is that is really really fun but also there were loads of them in 2016 and I don't rem- I mean you know I guess when you lose to a team that you feel like you should beat then you don't remember that team as well but but I I agree the 2018 yeah the coverage now is just better isn't it there's way more there's way more avenues um, and yeah what w- you can you can find Pretty much everything that you want in terms of that stuff about the players. Do you watch? Do you watch the uh, any of the stuff they put on YouTube with the players in like the England FA TV channel? Because there's some. Yeah,
1: I, I watched a little bit. Stuff. Saka.
0: Yeah. I love them. And just like that's them. that's how you fall in love with them, you know. It's not necessarily yeah. they might not have an unbelievable game, but if you watch, I think there's one with Saka when he's putting his suit on. It's like, well, yeah, that's 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 going to help you love them.
1: Yeah. Who I know this like isn't great for a podcast because it makes it time sensitive that's right. who, start, who starts for you on Tuesday
0: great question uh, I just did a preview of that game and I said that I think it's likely to be the same 11 that played against Croatia with a couple of potential changes potentially Maguire over Mings Southgate says look you've played your two games we needed you while Harry was out you didn't put a foot wrong thank you but your time's done Um, I think there's a case to play uh, Saka over Foden because he was so good in the last game. Um, And then the only other, I guess, the the only other thing that might lead to changes would be if he decides to change the shape of the team and play, just match up back three wing backs. Um, And then you've got Saka who can just go from playing right wing to left wing back and Mm. everything's fine.
1: Grealish, Grealish starts
0: uh, I I don't think Grealish will start against Germany
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm not I'm not against him starting uh, but I don't think he will I'd be surprised mm-hmm. if he starts I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy it but I'd be, I'd be quite surprised
1: yeah
0: what would oh, you do oh man
1: it's tough um, I hadn't really considered the matching up wing backs that can like you, you see it in domestic football where, like, sometimes that can be so brilliant and, and other times it really backfires. I guess this team has experience playing it. Um, and I think it adds, like, some dynamism being able to have, like, both, you know, say, Reese James and Carl Walker on the pitch because they're quick. I don't know. I don't know. I'd start Saka. I, I, I've been convinced, like, I, I think you start Grealish because for me, it's like, Foden and Sterling are used to playing in a brilliant team. Whereas I feel like Saka and Grealish are used to being stars of an average team and they know how, how to function in that. And I think that that was really a big difference as there was a lot of dynamic movement drifting in and out, trying to find space. Whereas I think like you'd often watch in the Scotland game, it would just be like, um, when we go forward it would just be like four guys in a line yeah. just trying to make a run behind the defense and um i noticed that a lot in like when real madrid were getting quite shit um and no 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 do you know who the best comparison is psg because you put all that attacking talent on they're all trying to make the same run and there's no one there's no one dropping in to pick up the ball in the in the, in the spaces they're just all they're all standing off the shoulder of a defender going put it there um and do you know who who i I said at the beginning I didn't want to bring, but I think we should have brought because he's so good at that. And for all of his, his faults defensively, but he's just so good at being a renegade and picking out a little bit of space. Jesse Lingard.
0: Lingard. Yeah. We should have
1: we should have played him at number 10. <laughs> Easy peasy.
0: It's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? I think the point where you said what you just said about the, the average team or like not not so good team. Basically Declan Rice has done that for West Ham. And now he's so good and they've got a couple of pieces that they're legit a good team now. Um, and that's why I play him over Henderson. I think Rice, is, he's fantastic. Um, the, 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 the thing with what you just said about the players being high and no one drifting, I think the tricky thing is that Kane, now that's all he wants to do because he's played for Spurs, where when you've got Hoiberg and maybe Sissoko in midfield, he has to because there's, there's no one else to kind of do it but then now we've got players who can actually get on the ball and look to try and do things we just mm. need them be hard the pitch i don't know we'll see i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to be excited for that game but it still feels quite far away tournament football does this to me where it's like oh it's not for it's not for what is it it's like 3 or 4 days away um
1: it's going to come around and it's going to it's going to be painful do you think yeah. we're going to do it do you think we're going to beat them
0: i think i think uh. I think we have a good chance. I think we have a really good chance. And if we, obviously, it's a big if. If we beat Germany, we're in the we're in the semis.
1: Done. Don't say that. Don't say Easy. that.
0: We'll see. I'm just
1: thinking Iceland all over again.
0: Yeah, could happen. Let's not rule it out. Yeah. Um, wicked. See, pets. A pleasure.
1: Thanks, mate. It's been so nice.
0: Yeah, so nice. Well, I think let's do this. Maybe when Palace have a manager, we could do this. But also, I'll come watch you gig, and then maybe uh, I'll have some more live comedy thoughts to share. Because at the moment, everything I'm thinking is probably going to be influenced by everything you say.
1: Okay, 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 great. (laughs) You can can just come in and tell me, you know, everything I'm doing wrong. (laughs) That's
0: not what I meant. (laughs) I didn't mean like that. I (laughs) I meant like reflect on the experience of watching you gig.
1: Yeah, come Um, along mate, that would be nice. Okay.